What does it really mean to be brave? And what can we learn from other people's acts of bravery? Welcome to Tiny Acts of Bravery with me, Clover Stroud. I'm a writer, journalist and mother of five. And in this podcast, I'll be sharing revealing conversations with a host of phenomenal guests about what bravery really means to them and what we can learn from their acts of bravery. I believe that right now, more than ever, in this wildly uncertain world, we need to talk about the tiny acts of bravery that make up our human lives. When I was 16, my mum had a terrible accident which left her chronically brain damaged, unable to talk or walk or look after herself in any way. Since then, I've been fascinated by this topic as mum's accident sent me out looking for brave people as I really needed them around me to show me the way. I'm so excited to share with you the conversation on bravery I've just had with author, journalist, TV presenter and podcaster Candice Brathwaite. I had wanted to speak to Candice for a long time about bravery because she's faced a lot of very public as well as very private challenges since her earliest childhood growing up as a young black woman in Brixton. Since then, she's forged a hugely successful career while facing her own intergenerational trauma head on. This process has been, as you will hear, an incredibly painful yet also motivating experience for Candice, who is so articulate and funny and warm and generous in everything she shared with me. There is so much to take away from this conversation and I truly hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I loved having it. Candice, it's just so lovely to be here, to be sitting in your closet, to be... (laughs) (laughs) The infamous closet. The closet, (laughs) surrounded on a Monday, it's also particularly nice on a Monday morning to be surrounded by like the most dazzlingly glamorous selection of shoes that I've ever seen in my entire life. Thank you, thank you. It's my little happy spot up here, yeah, a lot happens up here. Uh, like in a in a creative sense mm. and a meditation sense this is the space i want to start off by saying what does bravery mean to you <sighs> i say unfortunately just because it, it's it's a shame it has to be this way for for me it's always meant going alone going alone or like at least taking the first step by myself and that's not to say that i'm not loved and supported but in the moments where I reflect on when I've had to be truly brave, it's going alone and just trusting that your character has laid a foundation so people understand your intention. I've always had to trust that even though this may seem like a new thing or a hard thing, I'm like, people know your character well enough to know that this isn't the whole of you. And so you must take this step by yourself. Yeah, it's going it alone, which I'm not a fan of. When you think about the kind of, I suppose, the first time that you made that decision to go it alone, because you've talked about your upbringing and you talked about have talked about growing up, in your words, in a house without peace, which I found... Yeah sort of very moving actually and you've talked about being you know a very young girl and having witnessed a lot of violence yeah and there's something you described about being used as a barrier between two people one with a meat cleaver one with a carpet knife yeah and uh you know when you when you think about your your own children and what you're doing for Mm. them and the support you're giving them that's a really really kind of horrifying image yes isn't it You've chosen a life for them and for yourself, which is really different. And that is a very, very brave thing to do. 
What I wanted to ask you was that what was it in your upbringing that gave you the ability to make that decision? Or was that pure Candice making that brave, so, you know, lonely decision, I suppose? I don't think I've ever said this explicitly, but I remember when I was about 15. So I would say that the rumming, that that magnetic force field was definitely there when I was born. And I've, I've always deeply believed and understood that the situation I was born into was going to be part of me, but not all of me. And to find all of me, I would have to like excavate myself from there. I knew that. I knew that from really early on. I've always thought to myself, the minute you see like a crack in the gate or you get a moment to be free or you're adult enough or you can sustain yourself, you have to leg it and never look back. I knew that from really young. I just knew that Yes, I'd have to be brave and also I'd have to prepare. And it I'm a kid, right? So number one, I shouldn't be thinking like that. Number two, the universe is constantly throwing me reminders during those times of like, don't forget you have to bet on yourself. Don't forget you have to like leg it, right? And I remember when I was 15, my dad saying to me, and I need to be careful with how I phrase it, but he basically said, you know, if you stay in a certain situation, it will be the death of you. He was like, when you get that chance to bolt, you you just go. Mm. And I can't even remember how we ended up on that conversation or why he gave me that nugget or that push. But I've always held on to him saying that because I was like, no, there, there is a parent out there. Now he's just in a spiritual sense who is like, yeah, just keep running. Like there is nothing back there. Actually, if you even think about returning, everything you've built is going to go up in flames. You hit the high road. Mm. And I think I had to hear that. And I think that really made the difference because even though by the time I did start literally running, he was dead. I was like, no, no, no. He he told me that this was going to be part of what has to happen. And that's not to say that I'm not human and there aren't elements of a life I've left behind that I don't miss. I'm carving out such a different space for my kids that to some degree, I say to my husband all the time, I'm like on, on my side of the family tree, their kids, kids, kids are going to start with me. There's nothing behind me. Like there's going to be no evidence of anyone. It's just going to be like, well, yeah, uh, grandma candies fell out of the sky and then, I know for like generations to come, I'm going to be the beginning of what they think to be the family tree. And that's so, that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure because I know I'm not going to be perfect at it, but I want to get it right enough so that for the people that I'm never going to meet, they're going to be like, and her legging it was the smartest decision. Yeah. So it's interesting. It was your dad that kind of put that idea there for you. Yeah. Mm. And he was also the guy and my granddad who you guys just met downstairs. But my dad was really like, he was like, I know this is going to sound really like wet because I am your dad. But he was like, there is something so special about you. He was like, I just can't. He, he used to just stare at me intently. He's like, I just can't put my finger on it. And he was like, 
he he was always like, it's also so outside of me. He was like, I know I helped create you, but what I see in you has nothing to do with me. And he was like, whatever that energy is, he was like, it's going to split the difference for you. Like he was like, it's going to push you into a stratosphere of just energy. He was like that I may be able to see, but he even said himself, he said, I won't be able to reach it. And I perhaps won't even have the capacity to take part in it. But he was like, you're just not, of this world kid Mm. he would say it's beautiful that as well because it also reminds you of all the stuff we inherit but also the stuff that we are uniquely born with and what about the candies as a little girl do you think you were brave i mean you've described situations where you were it was demanded of you that you were brave um, and, you know, you've talked about growing up with your mum's yeah. issues that she faced and mental illness that she faced, and also that you were kind of bringing up your younger yeah. siblings as well. Yeah. That sort of level of responsibility as a kid, um, and I, I was listening to an interview where you talked about turning down a place on a school trip because who was going to pick yeah. up your younger brother? Yeah. Which is a really sort of heartbreaking yeah. thing to think of. Do you think you sort of learnt a kind of bravery then? Oh yeah, absolutely. I also learned, and I didn't have the language for it then, but I also learned the art of seeking, uh, is it forgiveness, not permission? Because I remember going to, I went to a performing arts school when I was 13. I remember getting that application sent to, I think, my nan's house, hiding it, filling it out, forging my parents signature because I just knew there was going to be too much conversation and in my brain I was like just get the audition and then getting the letters redirected to my nans I got the audition and then having that conversation Mm. and then I was able to go to that school but I knew that if I'd made that someone else's responsibility that element of my life would never have happened and so as much as I'm tremendously pissed off and I'm pissed off I think generationally, because so many young black girls, it's always the girls, it doesn't matter about race, it's always the girls, they're forced into positions of adultification far too early. You do the washing up, you look after the men, you do the housework. Too many of us are then robbed of certain moments, enjoyments, exploring our gifts and talents because we're looking after someone else. And so if anything, I just get a bit pissed off about it because I'm like, don't get me wrong, life is really great now. But I'm like, there were perhaps multiple other avenues or other things I could have tried or done or become, but there was just never any space to figure it out or give it a try because I had this secondary responsibility of someone's mental health, the the care of younger ones. And, you know, also then layered the cultural expectation that it, it's just that way. Like, what are you moaning about? Like every firstborn daughter's doing this, like get a grip, like you're being a bit wet, just get it together. I hate it. And I hate it because I still see it happen. And I just see a lot of the older generation just be like, oh, it's the way it has to be. It's not fair. Mm. It's really not fair. But that decision to say it's not fair and it's going to be different for me and for my children is a really courageous and a really, really conscious decision as well and is an ongoing huge amount of work as well huge and so like I don't think people deeply understand how costly it's cost me so many relationships 
across columns of friends and family because to many I'm just like an egotistical bitch now or it's like oh she thinks she's so grand she thinks she's so nice or they attribute the things they see me carrying so materialistic success they attribute that to my changing character where I'm like I was actually this courageous little bitch from the very beginning it's just that I didn't have the space or I didn't have the trappings that would make you go oh you're you're actually doing I had it all along mm. it's just now that the like the spirit and the reality have started to marry up and so people are like oh oh you've changed I haven't changed at all I'm just really really free now but like I said that's come with a really high cost and when I speak to especially younger black women who are like we have similar stories or our childhoods are the same and the question they always ask is like how do I free myself I'm always like have you truly considered the cost have you truly because some people can't live with this even if they are living in their whole truth and living in a way that they think is in alignment with their destiny, some people can't imagine not speaking to certain family members at Christmas. Some people can't imagine their children not knowing certain bloodlines. Can you live with the cost? Mm. You you have to like really think about that because also there's like there's no lukewarm way to do this. You're in or you're it's out. A, yeah, it's a dramatic <laughs> yeah. one or the other. You know, so I'm always like, I appreciate the question, but that decision does lie with you. Now, I'm not going to like go on and lie and say, I feel like I've made the wrong decision. Absolutely. The, the best of my life, if not, it is my life to mm. have made that decision. But it comes at a high price that none of this shit we see the shoes and the perfume and the none of that makes up for it and I'm even having to deal with the fact that maybe my excess in that area is because of lack somewhere else right yeah it is very um awe-inspiring to watch though obviously I'm seeing it from the outside yeah. via Instagram <laughs> via podcast <laughs> so I'm seeing it like you know the the majority of your public know yeah. I suppose but from the outside it is very very bold and it's very courageous and I think that is so inspiring because so many people so many of us we, it's so easy to get kind of trapped in a life trapped in a cycle decisions yeah. that you wouldn't really choose for yourself yeah. I suppose yeah and I think that it's really important that we as your followers and your listeners also acknowledge what you're doing and acknowledge the cost mm. to you was there a point when you consciously said I'm going to live in a different way to the generations of women before me. I can't remember like the exact, I would say a little fire started definitely when Esme was born, of course, because now I'm like having to learn. There's so many things I was taught. I'm definitely not trying to teach her mm. or there are ways I'm seeing uh, familiar family members deal with her where I'm like, no, 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 don't we, we're not doing that. And then they quickly go, yeah, but we've always done that. And I'm like, not with this one. We're not, doing that I would say the biggest breakthrough was absolutely the pandemic really? and I think that was for a lot of people but that was definitely when I look back on, over the course of my life that is there is a hard line in the sand when that lockdown began in March I was like oh again you you just forest gump it mate you just keep on running some very deeply personal things had happened maybe like a week before lockdown no, maybe, maybe even a few days because we were 
on holiday in Barbados and then we came back to lockdown. We literally returned to an empty airport and we got the last flight off of the island of Barbados for the next four months. And I just came home and I, you know, Bode and I had a conversation and I was like, enough is enough, dude. I want a different way of living. I'm trying to, on one hand, hold on to certain relationships and heal. And I'm learning that I can't do both because those relationships continue to pull me back 10 paces. So I just have to like cut this dead. And the pandemic was really helpful. We're locked in. No one can go to anyone's house. My children's brains are being reframed about what it means to socialize and who they're going to be seeing. RJ was only two. I was like, and this is the right time to do this. And I, I don't, I think I've played it so well. My followers would probably be shocked by that. They'd be like 2020. I'm like, yeah, it was that recent where I was like, enough I'm not doing this anymore I've tried to I've tried to be lukewarm I've tried to like be true to myself and my healing and also uphold relationships that are harming me other people will perhaps say that I'm soft or I'm lying I'm telling you they were harming me and they were also harming my children I was like I can't do it anymore and so it's actually been quite recent I just think that the scope of healing that has happened in the last three to four years has been so massive mm. that it almost feels like 10 years have passed I'm a completely different person I would be so argumentative I didn't know what it felt like to not continue an argument for six days <laughs> yeah. I did I thought we just went back and forth I thought waking up and checking my phone and being called a bitch was a was like a real way to live I thought being lied on like every other Wednesday I thought that was like mm. how we do life and so I had to learn how to live trauma free and it's really weird. And that's not to say that difficulties don't happen or I don't have down days, but the general consensus on my house, like as quiet as you can hear it now, it's as quiet as it always is. I didn't know that that was a real thing. Mm, mm. I didn't I didn't know that. It's really interesting that the pandemic, I'm really <laughs> yeah. fascinated by the fact that the pandemic I am was what so, kind of made it happen. I'm so grateful to COVID in that regard. I am because you absolutely would not even be having this conversation with me because I wouldn't have grown enough to do the work that I'm currently doing. This is not a conversation we could have. But did the pandemic then trigger loads of intern that, that triggered loads more internal work as well as actually changing relationships oh, yeah. outside of your home? Oh, it yeah, it was it was emotionally and vibrationally it was a complete mess so we've got a lockdown I'm now trying to shut down relationships I've had for three decades I am trying to raise two kids under seven my first book comes out in the middle of I am just there are just these high the highest of highs mm. and the lowest of lows in the year of 2020 because in the moments that were so high I was also like number one this is not a way I could have conceived I'd be celebrating this high also the people I expected to be celebrating it with are not here and also I'm like meditating all the time and hearing my dad say and they cannot be here 2020 was a really delicate year because it was all so new there was always that temptation to open the door there was always that temptation to reignite a conversation and I had to keep going back to that conversation my dad had with me where he was like no 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 
Okay, you just <laughs> you floor it. Mm. I cannot explain to you. And then I had I have a friend who's a very deep spiritualist and a tarot reader, and just like every three months, she just like FaceTime me and be like, "Don't burn yourself." Mm. She was like so clear about that. She was like, "Don't burn yourself." She was like, "If the people who have been privy to your brilliance for three decades don't get it." She was like, they're just not your people. Mm. And that's a really hard thing to come to terms with. Mm. I mean, presumably you you're still you still have to go on working on that. It's not a decision. It's not oh, a single decision. Oh, oh, that... oh, oh, I'm going to be at this for... And I, I, I don't say this to be like jokey till the day I die. Yeah. And even maybe I think the work will uh, intensify as the years go on because there is going to be an earthly end to some of those relationships that I have no control over. And then I'm going to have to grieve them for real. Mm. So like I've grieved them in spirit, I'm going to have to grieve these relationships physically. And also not only is this work forever for me, it's also unfortunately an, an inheritance my children will have to bear yeah. because they will surely be questions. Mm. Mm. And as of right now, I am able to ring fence them. I am able to make certain decisions. I'm already coming to terms with because I've seen it. I've actually seen it. I've seen someone very familiar to me, very, very sick and I'm on the TV and they're in like a nursing home or like an end of life hospice and they're watching me on the TV and Esme's like braiding their hair and like cleaning them down. And every time I'm reminded of that vision, I'm like, oh fuck. Yeah, there's gonna be a point where my kids get to make their own decision about who they think people are mm. or how they think they are able to forgive people and how am I going to deal with that and what does that mean about the relationship I have with my children it cannot mean I love them any less but I do have to accept that everyone tells a different story can you think of a moment in your life when you have a single moment when you have had to be particularly brave that really defines bravery for you? I think the one that completely changed my life for the better, and this is what bravery usually does, was definitely speaking about being a sex worker. But that bravery came from being attacked which if I could go back in time, that's the only thing I'd change. Because I think us being forced to speak about our most, our darkest times by force is such, it's like one of the greatest crimes. Mm. And it's like, it's something that I'm just not going to forgive certain people for ever, ever, ever. Because I think everyone should be able to discuss certain things on their own time in a situation that's calm to them. Also, I don't like how that was brought up uh, to deflect from some really disgusting behavior. But by the by, looking back, best thing to ever happen to me. Because a bit like the way I was raised and the violence I faced, these were like mini nooses around my neck where I'm trying to live this I, I met this woman an old white lady a couple of weeks ago and she was like you're like my little black Brene Brown and so it's just stuck in my head um, <laughs> where I'm like trying to carve out this space where we're having honest conversation where I'm trying to encourage everyone to be their best selves while also kind of 
dancing in the shadows, not saying that we should all bear everything in order to be deemed as authentic or be accepted. But I just felt these little nooses. And the minute I made that statement, the minute that became a conversation, I haven't slept that well in years. I was like, oh my God. Like, and more to the point, and I mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast, because people know me, because they are aware of my character and my intent, my audience were just like, so the fuck, what? Like, yeah. everyone, everyone was just like, oh, for fuck's sake. They were like, even killing a kitten would have been more exciting, like, news. But because we exist in our human form and our ego, we build these things up in our head. Oh, will I be accepted? Will I be, you know, will I even have a career in the morning? Mm. And to see so many people just rally behind and be like, A, this isn't news. B, whatever, girl, when's your next ad going up so I can like it? I was just like, fuck, I've really built this up in my brain. And I've almost like made this, this unnecessary hurdle. And I think of recent times. So this was a discussion in 2018. This was before a conversations about COVID and OnlyFans and mm. what, and I don't think we were that deep into the conversation of, um, protecting sex workers or being allies across the spectrum we weren't there yet yeah, that's true. so it felt like a very it, it was just again unknown waters mm. that I had to go into by myself and I was like oh my gosh I I don't know what's on that on the other side of that act of bravery it's the is the life I'm living now it had to happen and so whilst I do sometimes think oh you little fuck like that's I hate the way that was positioned I'm so it is kind I actually of a... sometimes wish I could send them flowers. And also that is like the ultimate act of uh well I was gonna say revenge, but because it is so not done in a spirit of revenge, but like the yeah. fact that you kind of I mean, I remember watching from the sidelines that watching it happen online and watching the way that you dealt with it, which just seemed to be with such kind of grace and courage and yeah. beauty. And you walked through it like a kind of icon walking <laughs> through this like, you know, burning landscape yeah. around you. Yeah. And I also think you did something really, really good, which was pull the rug out from underneath the whole instant mummy scene know, which was you know pretty and unpleasant I, I hate not that I hate looking back on it and my friends talk about it all the time they were like if it was a movie they were like it's literally you leaving a burning building mm. where everything's in flames and in tatters and you've literally just come out with like a graze on your arm but sometimes I find it deeply overwhelming to just get into the groove of being a tool right like, yeah oh my god like that section of my life as much as that's not how I would describe it nor that's what I wanted to do I can't believe that that portion of my life was to undo a whole industry that was built on lies mm, mm. because it feels like there was mummy blogging before 
Mm. And there's mummy blogging after. Yeah. There is definitely a line in the sound. That whole arena shifted because of whilst it wasn't an act you did, but because you were the center of that moment. Mm. And I do sometimes kind of think, oh Christ, can I get a break? Because like, I'm not asking for these crowns and they say heavy is the head. Like I'm not willingly rocking up every day being like, I'd like to break some barriers, please. Please can I be the boundary breaker or the change maker? And it's just like, it just happens on repeat. Mm. And I'm like, oh, for God's sake again. And with every time it happens, I feel less and less, in my ego and I'm able to like see beyond the dust and be like, okay, in a week, that's what that's going to mean. And in a year, that's what, but to know that whole situation, something that I had to be bravest about was to bring an industry that was crippling, Mm. bullying, like filled with harassment to its knees. Mm. Do you know what? I will take the crown for that one because it absolutely had to be over. You totally deserve the crown. (laughs) And the drone and the like (laughs) Rolls Royce driving you out of that scene. It had to be done. (laughs) Yeah. Because how long were we going to let that happen? How long were we going to let a certain select group of women and people gatekeep or say that this is the way we should parent, this is the way we should live our lives? And then, even if we want to talk about it from like a commercial aspect, also hold on to all the earning power all the prizes uh, yeah yeah, like, yeah yeah not fair just from a regular like i went on to instagram in about 2016 2017 and looking at the mummy blogger scene and i had a newborn baby and it made me feel bad about myself yeah. as a mum it made yeah. me feel like i'm getting this wrong like yeah. there's all these mums having a really great time and they've got all this stuff and they look in a way and they look like they're making motherhood look all sort of groovy and cool and why do i feel like i'm in such a mess and just like from my point of view it made me feel really that instagram scene yes. really felt like a really damaging thing just to regular people kind of scrolling through their Instagram as they're sitting there with their toddler or their newborn baby. So I'm like, have so much gratitude towards (laughs) you. But also I think it's really what you said is that you felt really, 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 you know, deep anxiety and pain around your past that you felt a certain amount of shame coming out. And how do you feel about the liberation from that shame? Because I mean, I (sighs) that is... (laughs) I think liberation from shame, one of the things in my memoir writing is I write as openly as honestly as possible. I don't feel, I try to get rid of shame and encourage other people to do the same because it makes you feel braver, doesn't it? It makes you feel braver and it just changes the whole story. I fear that if that moment didn't happen, you'd be getting like a quarter of Candice now because I'd always be like oh but what if or what if or what if this is like the real me Mm. and people who have followed me since I think I got on Instagram in like 2015 they've seen it yeah they're like oh my god it's you like so so many people are like you've really arrived in your career or you're doing really well and like real people are just like people whose eyes are open to another way of living are like no it's just you yeah it's truly you. And that's why everything seems to click. Yeah. Because there's not an there's there's not an ounce of pretend left in me. Yeah. Like if I don't fucking like a thing, I'm very quick to <laughs> I don't fucking like it. Like I've I just don't have a muzzle on anymore. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that I'm obtuse or hurtful, but it does mean that I'm like, I'm free of shame. Yeah. 
So all you're going to say to me is I don't like you and I don't like you. Get to the back of the queue. That's a really long line, dude. It wraps three times around my house. Get in on the, get, my husband's probably at the front today. Get in the back. It, if that's, is that it? Yeah. Is that it? And if that means along the way that someone has been a sex worker or a drug addict or they're three times divorced or they're dealing with anything, mm. any layer mm. of thing that mm. the world goes, you're less than mm. because that happened or you're going through that. If anyone like trying to build their best version of themselves sees me living like that and they take an ounce of it, yeah, you know what? Screw that. Yeah. That's arriving for me. So, but do you think then also bravery? Because that's a brave, it's a bold, it's a courageous, it's a really fucking cool place to be, isn't it? It yeah. feels good, right? Yeah. So do you think that um, we can kind of exercise and practice our sense of how to be brave, I suppose, by going towards those moments that scare us the most oh, and, you know we want to yes. go away from them we don't want people to know this stuff we want to like yeah. avoid that scary thing that is going to happen that kind of challenge you go towards it you get through it you talk about the stuff yes. that you're ashamed of so you know I like the idea that bravery might be something that we can sort of you know like jogging we get better at it <laughs> no, you know you I can't totally, jog to start do you, know, <laughs> do you know what's so mind-blowing about this conversation one of my like late 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 in life dreams is to own a funeral home and everyone's like Candice that's so I don't know why I just don't think they see that in me which is really weird but uh, my dad dying in the way that he did and so quickly and then you know you see this god awful body in the chapel of rest even going to the Chapel of Rest was a very brave thing for me mm. because death has always been shrouded in fear. And I'm now of the school of thought that the closer I get, the less scary this thing becomes. Mm. And so, you know, friends now sometimes take me to a funeral as a plus one. I'm the first up for the viewing. I'm like, you have to just keep going towards the veil. One of my like New Year's resolutions this year is to hold a tarantula. I'm petrified of spiders, but I'm like, if you can in a controlled environment, hold the thing, get close to the thing, it just kind of eats away at the fears that are actually just on steroids in your brain. Mm. And they're on steroids in your brain, especially if we're dealing with situations of something that you see as a personal shame. It's on steroids in your brain because no one's ever thinking about you. Yeah. No one cares deeply enough to keep you the topic of conversation for a year. There's a new thing. Yeah. There's a new topic. There's a new trial. No one cares. And so if we just edge closer, I'm like, oh, okay. Feels weird. Yeah. You know, mm. it may like give you a little bit of anxiety, but is it really is? It's not that big. It's not, it's not as bad. And I actually yeah. think, I don't know why I think this because I've not experienced it. Well, no, I have. I tell you another, not that you asked for two, I tell you another time I was really, really brave. I got sepsis after having Esme and for days, midwives told me like I was overthinking it. It was in my head. Long story short, my C-section sac explodes and yeah. like infected whatever starts coming out. We go back to, I'm blue lit back to hospital. They're prepping me for emergency surgery. My bravest moment was letting them take me because there was a part in my brain that knew that I was deathly sick. Mm. I knew it. I knew it. So, and I remember, you know, when they're putting the stuff in and they're telling you to count backwards, I was very like, at the very least, I'm going to see my dad. I was so ready 
for whatever that transition was, whatever was beneath that veil, I was like, well, shit, this isn't the way I would have done it, but you you got to go, kid. And again, you're alone. You're yeah. going under yeah. alone. You're very aware of how sick you are. You understand that how thin that line is between life and death. And And so for me, I even think that about death. I'm like, this is not to say that us leaving our loved ones is not perhaps one of the most painful things we're ever going to have to do. But I don't think the act of dying, the actual pin, mm. that breath, mm. that eyelash of transition is as scary as we think. Mm. Of course, in our minds, there are better ways to die than others. But I think that actual moment where it's like, Oh, you're here now, you're not. You were really, really very, very ill at that time, weren't oh, you, God. as well? And do, did, did, do you feel then, at that moment, you were facing death? Oh, you yeah, You were yeah, facing yeah. death. Yeah. yeah, to the point that I've got the surgeon shouting at me because I'm eating. And she's like, I, I have told every nurse on this ward you're not to eat because we're taking you to surgery in 15 minutes. And I was like, shh. I was like, I'm going to finish my toast. <laughs> I was so like, I was so ill also, I was delirious. Like I'm just not even with it anymore because sepsis has really taken hold and sepsis moves quick. Mm. How I've come out with all my limbs and, and my brain functions is a miracle in itself. But I was actually, I know this sounds weird. I was just committed to death. I was like, I've been telling you guys for a week that I am. Like I was so physically exhausted mm. that I was just like, at least I'll get some rest. <laughs> Actually, I had to go and have an operation a couple of weeks ago and had a general anaesthetic. I thought, oh, yes, there's a chance for a rest. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, I, I love the way, um, I mean, I'm very interested by the way that you write about death in Sister Sister as yeah. well. Because to hear people, and I'm fascinated by death and I'm, into being very present to death yeah. and I've had like you I've had a lot of death and loss in my family as well you lost your dad when you were 21 yeah. in a quite traumatic way yeah. so that he passed away very quickly yeah. and traumatic aftermath do yeah. you feel that facing his death and mortality at that point when you're you know you're a young yeah. woman a lot of people still don't have to face yeah. that kind of stuff till midlife. Yeah. Do you think that it gave you a kind of courage that you took on into your 20s because you were present with death? Yeah, huge courage. And it taught me not to waste time. My dad was, what, 46? Yeah. He had the flu. It turned to pneumonia. He was on his way to an Arsenal match and just was struggling to breathe. So he stopped in at Whips Cross A&E with the idea he's still going to make this match. He has cardiac arrest in the waiting room mm. and dies in front of 40 people. So I don't have time for bullshit. It's just made me so, I'm really quick and my management always praised me for it because I'm just like, yes, no, yes, no. And they're like, how do you know? I'm like, because I know. Yeah. I don't have the time to just meditate on crap. Like my intuition has said yes. And every time we've gone against it a week later, everyone's phoning me like, we should have listened. I'm like, I know. It's just, it made everything really crystal clear. Yeah. And in some ways, for a long time, I was jealous of the reverse. You know, the friends who everyone's still alive and they've never... But I've also watched how that's made many of them just so robotic. 
so agree so with you. Robotic. I so agree with you. And so like privy to pressure and like pleasing people. And I sometimes just sit down. I'm just like, babe. Yeah. Babe. And also, and I know he knows this wherever he is. If my dad was alive, I couldn't possibly be the Candice of now because I was his only child and so much of my life was to please him. Yeah. My thoughts were always, how can I make dad proud? What uni should I try? What what should I be doing so dad can say, well done? Like having that gold stamp of approval from my dad was literally what guided me, I would say, for the first two decades of my life. And having him pulled out of the chat, I was like, oh shit, you can only please yourself. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird though, that feeling though, because obviously... You know, I think I can, I can say, I can assume that I can say, obviously, you would love to have your dad back as I well. Would. And there's nothing, there's nothing, you know, that would, that would, that, that stops that. You would love yeah. to have your dad back. And yet, this thing has happened. His death has happened. I feel the same with my sister's death. I'd do anything to have my sister back. I can lean back as far as I like into the past. It's not going to happen. Yeah. She's dead. Yeah. And therefore, this is a kind of, I have to take this as a weird kind of, opportunity and I said yes use the word opportunity even though that might almost sound offensive to some people yeah. but this is an opportunity to change my life to grow to, life. to to evolve yeah and I can't go back to the life I had before but my sister's dead as well yeah. like there has to be a different and also, life I'm just very of the school of thought that where I was destined to go where I'm in the act and process of going now I needed someone somewhere else mm. I feel that so deeply. There are certain moments of magic and certain chess pieces that need to be moved that I am not privy to. I don't have the power to do that. And I think if nothing else, apart from maybe smoking a B&H and drinking a Foster's, I think wherever my dad is, all he spends his time doing is clearing pathways. Mm. He's just like, right, she wants to go there. So you get the fuck out of the way. Like, I just... <laughs> what a brilliant image. You know, I'm just like, I just feel yeah. like he's up there like, sit down. <laughs> I just feel like because, and I said this just this morning on live, my life makes no logical sense. The logic, the paperwork, the data suggests that the Candice Brathwaite that was raised in those situations should not be allowed to live the life of her dreams. So we can't even talk about logic because it, it doesn't matter. I think the magic is happening on a plane where I am not even aware. Mm. And I think he has mm. that power, that energy, that access. And so I'm just like, sometimes, again, I know like you just said, some people may find it offensive. I'm so grateful that he bowed out when he did. Mm. Because I'm, I, I just, again, I've got no proof, but I just know there's so much snakes and ladders that he's having to perform to make I would say collectively because some of them were probably his dreams too to make our dreams a reality mm. I, I really like the way you've um, talked as well about talking to your kids during the pandemic about death yeah and like the f numbers of people dying yeah. and they were very kind of because you talked to them about it they were relaxed about it they weren't hysterical or anxious yeah. or worried and giving your children that kind of bravery and confidence and courage is a really cool thing to do as a mother. Yeah. And giving them the language and like 
I just say, like, we went out for dinner a couple nights ago and I just said, and when I'm not here, understand that this sibling relationship is like one of the best gifts you have. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what's so funny is I take the rolling of the eyes knowing that whenever I'm not here, it's all they're going to remember. Mm. Because these are the things I remember my dad saying to me. I'm like, yeah, roll your eyes all you want. I'm just adding to that little bank account, you know, that little bank account of grief. I know you're going to be upset, yeah. but there are little things I'm saying that you, when you want to strangle your brother, you're going to remember. Remember when mum was at that restaurant and she was like, it's just us, kid. Like, mm. you have to know that. I'm always, it's the reason why I've got two children. My dad's death is the reason why I purposely had two. Because I couldn't believe that I had no one to turn to and say, "Raw, dad's dead, you know. It was just me. And I was like, I hated that. I was like, I want there to be enough kids so that this pain is shared. Yeah. It was a, it's just a lot of pain to carry as the one kid, On you own. know? Yeah. I was like, so even my acts in life now are prepping them for the necessary. Do you think that we get braver as we get older? Do you think age brings with it? Yes. Yes. And that's a, that's a great thing about aging, isn't oh it? Oh my gosh. I just think with every year you care less. 35 year old Candice is just way is just so much bolder mm. not just in what she says but even in my fashion choices I just care less and now even the people I follow online the coolest of the cool easily 60 70 80 yeah they're just so free they don't care about your opinion on what they're wearing and and guess what them not caring makes you want them more it's just so attractive yeah to see someone who is not bogged down by the idea of what society says they should be. Yeah. And I see that so much with age and I'm not trying to wish my life away, but I'm like, oh, if this is you at 35, I'm like, I'm excited about 45. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, this is so cool. <laughs> yeah. And I think there is also great work going on at the moment around women in the middle of their life yeah. and going beyond the middle of their life and the power and the transformation. Yeah. And I'm 48 now and I'm feeling sort of stronger and more confident and better and braver than yeah. I ever have. Rather than that kind of really old fashioned image of women becoming invisible. I mean, it's fuck so that. boring. It's <laughs> so boring. Like the coolest women in my, and I, I, and I'm not talking down on it, but I have no younger women that I look up to. And that's not to say they're not great. It's just that I'm like, you have so much work to do. You have a lot of work to do. And that doesn't mean there aren't moments of brilliance, but I'm like, there's so much work mm. to do. Whereas like the Oprah's, the Michelle Obama, the whoever that are like just past 50 and seemingly sailing because they know. And it all comes back to knowing who you are. Yeah. Knowing it and then actually being brave enough to live it. To, to be that woman. Yeah. yeah. To be that to woman. To be brave. Because I think we. what's so funny is I knew this version of Candice at two, three, four years old. Absolutely. But every year, a layer of the onion has had to come off. And I've become braver to live that version mm. of myself. And what a fantastic image that is. The idea of you like going into the next decade and the next oh, decade and becoming oh my God. more and more She's Candice. So cool. She's so <laughs> I did a, like a guided meditation at the beginning of this year where the person leading the session asked us to go like literally on an orb light 10 years in the future. 
and I've appeared at this woman's house and it's the most gorgeous brownstone in Brooklyn and she's got a really great black art collection and incense was burning and I've got pictures of my kids going through school running up the stairwell and she's just incredibly chic like I like my clothes now but I was just like oh my, oh, all right love it's all <laughs> swishy and like blows in the wind and she looks like she does pilates and like she's vegan which was I was like girl I don't know about all that <laughs> I, was like, I was like oh, oh I, don't know, I don't know I don't know but she was I was like I came out of that meditation in floods of tears because I was like I am dying to meet her. Mm. I am dying. Could you imagine like dying to meet future you? The, the future future version of like, yourself. Oh, come on. Because she exceeded any little thing I have in my brain about who I could possibly be. And it wasn't just the swish of the clothes or the smell of the house. The self-assuredness just make you know I was on the top step and when she opened the door I came back a few steps because this flood of energy just came out of the door I was like oh yeah mm. yeah so Brooklyn <laughs> is that a place where you're gonna be heading? oh I have to I just got I gotta give it a try yeah I've got that's where I hope the building blocks are leading and I always just remind myself if it doesn't work you can come back or start again yeah it's fine yeah it's fine like don't get again get close to this fear the fear of what of 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 what move it like get close to the fear and you know worst case scenario you can double back mm. you are at the forefront of the conversation mm. about black british motherhood I know. and couple you know marriage I as know. well <laughs> day after day after day <laughs> does that take courage do you you know go through periods where you feel i want to want time off from this do you know what not anymore. Uh, in the earlier days, yes, because in my brain, I felt like I had to speak for black motherhood or, you know, and now, no, I just, the whisper is always just live it, just live it. It doesn't need to be a performance. It doesn't need to be. It's so rare now that being a black mother or being in this black marriage is often like the headline of any of the work that I put out people may ex like extract that from it but it's not the leading thing anymore also I just never wanted to get into the place where I am having these conversations because I'm a mum or because I'm someone's wife I was like it's really important that I get to do this work because I'm Candice yeah. that's really that is of so <laughs> If no one takes anything else from this podcast, it's so fucking important that I get to do this work because I'm Candice. Not because I'm Esme and RJ's mum. Yeah. Not because I'm an activist for black maternal health. Not because I'm Bode's wife. Because all of that is always changing or could easily fade away. Who am I in the act of working as my own woman in my own name. For somebody listening to this podcast yeah. who is facing a, maybe facing a big challenge, like a work challenge or a relationship challenge, or just facing the challenge of trying to get out of bed at a, on a really, really, really bad day. Yeah. What advice would you give to somebody listening about how to be brave? You have to view bravery almost like brushing your teeth. It's better for you and it's better for the people you meet. 
And also it almost has to be on autopilot. And I think social media has put us in a rut where we think bravery or things need to be on these grand scales or these big gestures. Maybe it's one email a day. You're sending one email a day about maybe getting a promotion or leaving your Mac, whatever. It's one email. It's one phone call a day. It's one walk around the block per day. Just that. Do not for the love. And the re- I feel so passionately about this because I don't know why I did this this year, but I just decided I'm going to run on my treadmill every day this year. I, I don't know why I did this, guys. I'm Believe me, I hate myself. But we're on day 179. And I'm just like, 90% of the time, I can't be bothered, but I'm just like, sh- feet in the shoe, on the thing, press start. You're going to run for one minute, you lazy cow. It's never one minute, but it's just like, again, it's just brushing the teeth. It's going to be better for me and better for everyone around me. And if you are in a season of your life where there's a challenge up ahead that you know in your heart of hearts you can't turn away from because on the other side of that is the best version of you, don't disrespect yourself. I just find holding myself in the highest regard to have so much power. Mm. It's no one gives me a high five when I get off that bloody treadmill. Kids don't care. No one cares. Like I'm not Mo Farah. I'm not being sponsored by anyone. No one cares. Mm. But it's the respect I have for myself. Mm. It's the respect you need to have for yourself to get out of a marriage that's not serving you, to change jobs, to even question your own sexuality. Don't, like I never want the end of my life to come and I feel like I've disrespected myself. And that's usually through lack of bravery and lying about who we are. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's so much wisdom there. And and one of the reasons this podcast is called Tiny Acts of Bravery is because it is about the small things Tiny. that we do, the little things that we yeah. do. It isn't the grand gestures. No. It isn't the, the you know, enormous moments. It's the little things that take you places and yeah. create change or create the the life you want, the relationship you want, the work you want, the intention you want. There's a small, small step. Yeah. They're just, they're tiny, but they all add up. In uh, Jamaican culture, we say every mickle make a muckle, which means every small things amount to a big thing. And like you can't, and again, it's social media is definitely to blame for this. It's just like 55 million roses and the biggest car and the biggest house and and the best-selling book and more, 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 bigger energy. And nothing ever started like that. Even if that's where it ends up, that is certainly not how it begins. Mm. And I think we just need to remember that, you know, take, there's, there's no shame in taking things slowly either. Everyone always wants speed all the time. Like, yeah, forget the idea of an overnight success or oh an God. instant bestseller oh or an instant God. just slow Beyonce down. Beyonce used to run in the treadmill in heels when she was like two. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, I'm going to have a sellout tour like Beyonce. Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, gosh. Candice, will you tell me about your talisman, the thing that's important to you, to um, an object that you really love that makes you feel strong or brave in some way? What is your talisman? Absolutely. It's an old battered Arsenal football mug that my dad used to drink from and it's 
the only, and I'm not saying this for like drama, it's the only material object of his that I own. So I've got no shirts, no jewelry. I don't even know where his ashes are scattered. It's just me and that mug. Mm. And I don't drink from it every day because I find I reach for it on a day where I'm a little nervous about something. I'm going to have to do the tiny acts of bravery. I get the mug out. And because it's something he literally used to drink from, there just is that connection there. I put the strongest coffee in it and I'm like, it's my way to face the day. And I just, I appreciate how protective my entire household is of that mug. Like no one reaches for it. No one even loads it in the dishwasher. No one wants to be the one to, you know, like break this mug. Although, I, and I'm not encouraging it. I also do know the day that it breaks, it's because I've taken all the bravery I need from it. Yeah. Like I'm not in fear of the day yeah. that it breaks yeah, either. Yeah, it's not precarious. Yeah, I'm also yeah. like, and the day that it breaks, I will have kind of graduated. Yeah. And that's fine too. And I will still keep its broken pieces in a box because like I said, that's all I have of him physically. But when you asked me that question, I was like, oh, what do I, I was, I was very much like, I have nothing, but that's definitely my thing. Mm. That Arsenal mug. Mm. Candice Brathwaite, thank you so much. It has just been so nourishing talking to you. Clover, this has been I've great. Thank you so much to Candice for having this conversation with me. I'm Clover Stroud and I really look forward to sharing more brave conversations with some of the amazing guests I have lined up. To keep up with the episode drops, please follow Tiny Acts of Bravery on your podcast platform. And of course, I would be so grateful if you'd rate and review my podcast. And I will be back next week with another brilliant guest.